Gregoire and Dan Beeston are smart enough to know better. Welcome to episode 130 of Smart Enough to Know Better. We're a podcast of science, comedy, and ignorance. I'm Dan Beeston. I'm Gregoire. And in this episode of Smart Enough to Know Better, we're going to the States. Woohoo! We went on holidays. Woo! We decided to line it up with the, the eclipse, but yes. unlike last time, we didn't synchronize our own efforts. Not at all. Yes. For those who don't so. know, Dan and I went to the the solar eclipse that was uh, seen from Cairns in Queensland, and we travelled up for a week together, and we didn't murder each other in a van. Uh, so it was good. We didn't want to risk our perfect strike rate of not murdering each other. <laughs> or more so, so we, we just went... didn't get our shit together. <laughs> No, that's true. And we wanted to do different things, which is fine. This, this yeah. is good. So we thought, well, you know, America's not that big. I'm sure we'll meet up at some point. Turns and, out and we all, quite big. And we, all, and we almost did. We almost met up, but we did we miss each other by six hours or so. But we'll, yeah. we'll talk about that a bit later on. Usually we do like a This Week in Science, but I guess we just talk about our trip. I think so. And all the science that's in that trip. Yeah. Oh, so much science. We're not going to talk about all the other stuff. No, 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 no. All the, all the, you know, all the cultural crazy... stuff, blah. Cult- Historical oh, stuff, blah. Though I did get to see Hamilton in New York, but I'm not going to talk about that. But oh, it was thank, amazing. Thank so God, because it sounds boring. <laughs> How dare you, sir? Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, you flew into LA. I flew into LA, and uh, I was very, very jet lagged. Landed at six o'clock in the morning. My brain had no idea what was going on at that point, and I did what you always do, what everyone always does when they first land in Los Angeles, the Hollywood capital of the world. Oh, the streetwalkers, prostitutes. So that, uh, I, yes, prostitutes? I went. Not prostitutes. I went and looked at the Endeavour space shuttle at the California Science Center, as everyone does. I'm sure everyone goes there. There's actually a, a, the, an actual shuttle. You go into a, a shed, a giant shed, and there is a space shuttle, a space shuttle Endeavour that has flown into space right there. And you can, you can, well, you can't touch it, but you can look at it and you can walk around it. And there's some nice old men who tell you all sorts of cool stuff about it. And but, I was. But where do you have sex with the prostitutes? There's, there's a special room. There's a special room, and. <laughs> so the, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, everyone knows about the space shuttle. If you don't, it's you know, it doesn't exist anymore. It's not not an ongoing concern. But uh, it's like it's... Flash Gordon's rocket. No, it is, actually, that right. does exist now, thanks to your friend Elon Musk. Well, yeah, great, yeah, it's kind of thing. Well, what this is the interesting point: space shuttle Endeavour and all the space shuttles. The idea was to get them up into space, come back down, fly back down, and get it ready to go again very quickly. And actually in that area, it kind of failed because it took a long time to get ready again to go back into space. So it was it never lived up to the promise of what it was meant to do. And Elon Musk is creating rockets that fly up and then land themselves and then can be turned around in a number of hours to be fly off again. So he's trying to do the thing the space shuttle didn't kind of pull off. Yeah, because it was uh, the space it, shuttle was space... basically you, you would strap four other rockets to it and they all fell into the ocean. And yes. that would get it up there. And well, some, and so, and not all of it would. Like the the rockets, the, the boosters would come back into the ocean and be returned. Like they get barges and drag them back. But the actual main fuel tank wouldn't. So you'd lose part of it. And also the shuttle itself, once it went into space and came back down, would actually have to be totally reconditioned. So it had to be fixed and cleaned and, and repaired. And it just took a long, long time. And it was a great idea. Just technology, you're talking about design from the 60s and 70s. It just wasn't there at that point to do what they wanted to do. And nowadays we realize having a, a space plane may not be the, the best 
best idea. Though there is a, a military version, the X-38, he says, wondering. Uh, that's probably going to be a walk of shame. But, um, yeah, the um, there is actually a... Um, a um, like a small uncrewed shuttle that the military American military are using for nefarious purposes that we don't know. <laughs> uh, so but anyway, yeah. Um, so I saw the shuttle. That was fantastic. So the LA shuttle. And then of course the second thing I did on that same day, the second thing you do in in LA, the thing that you do if you're not going to go see a shuttle, I went to the Griffith Observatory and uh, listened to a really cool uh, scientist talk about. Uh, sleeping in space and how it's really hard to sleep in space stations and how, like, if we want to go to Mars, we can't just go to Mars uh, and sleep there because it's a 25-hour day or 24 hours and 39 minutes. So it's, it's going to be jet lag. So I went to um, listen to Dr. Erin Flynn uh, Evans and all about, uh, yeah, sleep cycles and and how they didn't plan on spaceships like the International Space Station how to sleep properly. So they would go, okay, well, you're just going to hang from the wall because you just hang there in space because you're floating through space, and you'll just hang on the wall, and you'll just sleep there. But, of course, people are trying to go past you all the time, and it's light, and there's noises, and it's a really big problem of being totally sleep-deprived in space. And if you're in orbit, every 90 minutes the sun comes up. So if you're freaked out by jet lag on a plane, imagine if every 90 minutes the sun came up. Yeah. It would just drive you mad. Yeah. Yeah, so that was my first day in L.A. I don't really like L.A., I'm sorry to say, um, but I liked the science stuff there. So there you go. I'm sorry, L.A.ians, um, Los Angeles, whatever it is. L.A.ians? Yeah. L.A.ians, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, that was my first day. What about you, Dan? We, we, we start off in San Francisco, and San Francisco is really a fascinating place on a climate level because it was the end of summer there. And everywhere else is pretty friggin' hot. San Francisco, quite cold. It's got okay. these um, it's got these weird ocean currents that sort of hit off the side, and then these hot winds. And so the fog there is nuts. Like it will get really, really foggy. But it's a tiny little area, tiny little sort of peninsula with a big bay on it. And you, there are like sixteen different microclimates all in this tiny area that you could almost <laughs> walk across. Oh wow! So yeah, it'll be a really hot, sunny day at Mission, but then yep. go downtown and it'll be foggy and freezing cold. And so we That's we weird. freaked out. And we we didn't pack. We packed for summer, and I'm wearing like trying to wear like a light top and freezing to death while looking at the uh, the Brook no not the Brooklyn Bridge. What's the big red one? Golden Gate. William Jolly. No, the Golden Gate. That's the one. Yes. <laughs> the Golden Gate Bridge. And I'm just freezing my nuts off. And so we ended up buying some jackets and stuff. And the day later, less San Francisco. Immediately once you're out, it's just scorching hot. <laughs> scorching hot everywhere. Once you're getting away from the, the climate control of the ocean, you really does it just changes very, very fast. Oh, we, uh, were, we, we were still in the ocean. It's oh, okay. just oh, right. something super weird with San Francisco. There you go. San Francisco. Yeah. It's a weird place. It's yeah. It's a, it's a, there's, a, there's a phrase that uh, our friend The Fiend mentioned. He quoted, I don't know who from, which was, uh, the worst winter of my life was summer in San Francisco. <laughs> I think that's Mark Twain. Ah, yep, not, that's it. it. Yep, that's right. If it's right. not Mark Twain, then, then Mark Twain said everything, so that's fine. It's okay. Yeah. yeah. He was quite he the thief. Quite the plagiarist. <laughs> 
So for me, I moved to go to the Eclipse at this point. So, I mean, Las Vegas didn't do any science in Las Vegas, so don't want to talk about that. But I went to Colorado and then drove from Denver all the way to a little place called Casper, Wyoming, which was a couple of hours away. And I was really worried about the, the traffic because the American news was like going, it's going to be apocalypse. It's going to oh, be like Max. It was, it was very Armageddon-y. It was. It was like, take water and food and make sure you have at least two days of both because you will die. And then, so I was like, oh my goodness, I, I need to, you know, I was in Fort Collins, so I couldn't get any closer the night before. And that's a, that's a fair distance. That's three hours, roughly, drive. And so I went, at two in the morning, I'm going to get up and I'm going to go early, just to make sure I'm there for the 11 o'clock, 11 o'clock eclipse. And I left. And it was busy-ish for two in the morning, but not, like, I never slowed down. I just drove on the highway. And then by the time I got into the area of totality, the first town, I think it's called Gouda or I can't remember anymore. Everyone was seen to be stopping there. So then suddenly the, all the highways cleared up. And for the next hour, I drove to Casper by myself and went, there's nothing here. Pulled into a random field, like a random sports field. And it turned out to be right next to the main Casper Hill that was they were going to be uh, you know, doing all their main things from, totally by accident, and was there first and had a great time. Had a little snooze in the car, and <laughs> it was brilliant. So I think they were really worried. I mean, in Wyoming, Wyoming had a, has a hundred thousand registered cars, and they said that they had four hundred thousand cars on the road that day. So there was a lot of cars, but Wyoming's kind of big, so you don't you're not all together. So I didn't I didn't have a problem at all getting out of Casper Ooh. after the. After the eclipse was pretty bad, though. Yeah, well, that's the problem that we ran into as well because we left it a much later than you because we had a much shorter drive, just under an hour and a half drive from Hood River on our way to Madras. Madras was where a lot of astronomers were, including our friend Mark Rigby from the planetarium. So we sort of spotted where we wanted to go the day before. We did a little bit of reconnaissance. uh, And instead of what we could have driven all the way into Madras, but when we drove through the day previous, it was quite busy. Like, that was a party town. They were making the most, and people were staying there. So people had been gathering there. They'd listened to the news and gone, oh, you need to be there with some time, and people had sort of slowly eased their way in over the the three days in advance. So we drove in, found a car park on our way to Madras. We decided, instead of going into the line of totality and getting two minutes of eclipse, we only went a, a quarter of the way to the centre and got just over one minute of eclipse, but we were able to see a whole bunch of landscape that was outside of the shadow. Oh, okay, yes. Which was a very different experience. And so, yep, this car park sort of filled up with people, and it was a real party atmosphere. And when the actual eclipse came, you could see Mount Hood still bright on the horizon, and all these mountains and stuff sort of glowing amongst the darkness, which was a a very different experience. It was quite Mm. fascinating. And it was really nice having seen an eclipse before, because I was able to walk around and go, oh, ladies and gentlemen, you don't know what's coming? Hear my words. I am Dan from Smart Enough to Know Better. The sun will be blotted out. Look to the horizon for the shadow racing from the west. It happened to me too. I mean, I, I went there. I, I, mean, I wasn't going there professionally or anything like that. I was just there to look at the sun or look at the moon, go across the sun. And I just happened to be chatting to this young guy who was standing next to me. He'd come all the way from Chicago. He'd ridden on his bike over the weekend to go from Chicago and he was like telling me he'd come so far and he'd driven his bike and it was such a long distance and then he sort of stopped and said oh, well I can tell from the accent you're not from around here where'd you come from and I said oh Australia 
Perth, and he went, oh, I, I feel really stupid now because you know, I'm, here I am going, look how far I came. Yeah, like, no, no, no. Riding on a bike all the way, motorcycle all the way from Chicago is pretty impressive. I just, yeah. I just flew in a big two and then drove a car. Big man. metal bird. Yeah, so it was fine. And then but people, we were chatting about it. I explained how I saw the last eclipse and we're chatting about it. And then other people were listening and then asked, you know, what I did and, uh, and sort of being a science teacher. And then suddenly I had a little sermon on the mount because I was standing on the <laughs> I standing had the on same thing. Yeah, and then, and then people like gathering around, like twenty people, and we were having a discussion about the eclipse and the corona, and and seeing the the corona itself, and you'd be able to how hot the corona is, and it was pretty cool. It was like, I was like, oh, this is now a work thing. I'll claim this on tax, so uh, <laughs> that'll be nice. Uh, yeah, it was, it was nice. It was good, and, and it's, we had the same sort of party atmosphere. There was a drone droning around doing this little drone thing. Uh, people flying drones, lots of cameras. People kept asking me if I was going to take photos of people I work with, and I said, no, 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 I'm not going to bother. And I'm I'm really glad I didn't bother taking cameras to mm. take a picture of the eclipse because everyone around me did. And like there were people with professional equipment and doing professional kind of stuff. Mm. So I just walked up to one of them at the end and said, hi, here's my email address. Would you mind just sending me one of your photos? And like, yeah. sure, we'd love to. And, like, and, Fantastic. and they're all taking a picture of the exact same thing. Like yes, people yeah. in other states were taking a picture of the, like, getting the exact same picture. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. So... It's 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 kind of fun. So it's a nice picture. I don't mind for me because it was literally being taken 20 meters from where I was standing. So I can go. This is the angle. This is what was in the sky. But we had a clear sky anyway, so it didn't really matter. So I've got a nice one of the um, of the necklace, which is uh, sorry, the diamond ring. When when you get the uh, the big flash of light on one side, mm-hmm. so that's kind of. I have a nice photo to go. I was there when this was taken. It wasn't taken by me, but I feel I added something to the ambiance of this photo. Now because we were on the edge of the the circle, the shadow, that diamond ring was a different thing than what I'd experienced in Cairns. Because in Cairns, Cairns, that diamond ring flare when the moon passes away from the sun was really bright and you had to turn away quite quickly. But here, because it was on the edge, it was moving slower and it slowly grew in light and it was much easier to stare at it for longer and damage your eyes. And so (laughs) I I understand now why it can be a bit of a danger because people are Mm. watching that for too long and burning their eyes. Yeah, and people don't realise that that damage doesn't come from particularly from the visible light but from the uh, infrared where you burn the back of your eyes and you, you don't even see the light so the time you're looking at it going oh that's a bit dazzling your eyes are already burnt yeah because you did, your eyes didn't react to the infrared light that was going into them you don't see it but it still damages you it's still heat it's still gonna you know hurt you mm. but anyway but of course um, as soon as it finished every man and his dog was like we have to get out of here right now yes yes that's right and just suddenly, like, we're in the middle of nowhere except for this car park, and suddenly the road is full of cars. I'm like, where, where were they hiding? Like, they, yeah. they must be coming from down the road, but there's nothing down the road. You can't stop on the side of the road there. It's just, it suddenly just went, boom. Uh, major arteries, shockers. Because we were right on the edge, so that if we jumped in our car and just shot out of there, then we would have had no problems with roads at all. We would have just zipped out of there. We would have been on the very cusp of it. But we yes. didn't do that. We drove in the opposite <laughs> direction. And just, it was gridlock for 20 minutes of driving. And then we took, we, we went on this really twisted mountain road because we went to go and look at the Painted Hills, which was this okay. crazy, the, the beginning of the crazy landscape in America. 
Oh, that's and we'll yeah we'll get onto that very soon because I when I headed out for mine I waited an hour. I, I there was a McDonald's nearby and I went in there and bought a drink and went to use their toilet and use their Wi-Fi. Yeah, <laughs> I think everyone else was doing as well. Not at the same time, by the way. I'm, I'm not a filthy animal, but you know I did use their toilet and I did use Wi-Fi. But I waited about an hour and I drove and I thought I was going to be fine because I thought well, I'm not driving to civilization. I'm driving to Yellowstone at this point, up through windy roads, which is you know three hours drive from here. And it was a lot more than that because <laughs> yeah, it's four hundred thousand cars on the road and a place i call it thermopylae because that's what, how it's spelled and that's how you say it in greek legend and and not just greek geography i guess but they call it thermopolis and there was state troopers who stopped me and not just me everyone you either you have to go left i said well i need to go right and i said well you're not going right it's it's chockers there's nothing up not, not that he said chockers cause that's very australian he said it's full you can't go up there i'm not going to let you drive up there there's just no point so you can sit here for an hour and then you'll, i'll let you through or you can drive off to the left and that will take like two and a half extra hours. And I went, I'll just wait here. So I just sat in a cafe and watched the world's weirdest traffic jam slowly crawl past me. Because <laughs> uh, it's one tiny road. And this, this town is not a big town. Like it's not a, I'm not talking like a town. It's not even a town, really. I mean, it's a town, but yeah, it's not. It's just a few buildings in the middle of nowhere and, and this endless stream of camper vans and, and cars. As in, and then I headed off into the mountains, as you said, into the crazy areas of America, like the most geologically interesting areas of anywhere I've ever seen mm-hmm. in the world. Yeah, well, we left those same crowds of people laughing with them in our dust and went, ha, in three hours' time, it'll all have cleared up. And then we got lost in the mountains for three hours. And then we found a little <laughs> town and we're like, Josh, it's, it's hard to get across this road. And the traffic jam was snaking through this little town in one direction. We're like, we're going to go in the other direction. We kept just swimming against the tide and eventually (laughs) ended up back at Madras, which was ground zero. Mark Rigby got stuck in traffic for five hours. There were people stuck in traffic in Portland for 11 hours. Oh, my goodness. Wow. I was was pretty lucky then. That was – I I had an hour, so I did pretty well. Wow. Mm. We didn't end up trying to go into the traffic jam until late in the day when we were coming from Madras, and we got stuck, and we're like, oh, this is an hour's long journey, and we're moving it. 10 kilometers an hour oh my god it was the last of the traffic waves and once that evaporated yep. we got back in so we, we drove for like eight hours and only got caught in yep. traffic jams for a couple of minutes that's pretty good then that's right well for me i drove over the northwest entrance into yellowstone national park and saw some of the most dramatic landscape i've ever seen and kept pulling over in yellowstone, in yellowstone, in yellowstone okay, yes yep. so i just saw just like dramatic hills and that sort of stuff and really well thought out parking spots on down the mountainside you could just stop and, and look at things so i was stopping all the time just going oh my god that's amazing and then go around the next corner that's even more amazing yeah oh my goodness that's and, even more and it's amazing. all different every single stop yeah. is so, it, it provides you with something you've never seen before i'm not even talking about in yellowstone yet i'm just going into yellowstone oh right so. Uh, I wasn't actually, I wasn't in Yellowstone at this point. Uh, and I stayed at a little town called Silver City, which is not, once again, not really a town. It's just a crazy place. But I got to stay in the Range Rider Lodge. And it used to be an old bar 100 years ago, 150 years ago, roughly. When you think of Deadwood or Westworld or something like that, and you've got the, the brothel and downstairs you've got someone playing. Ding, 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 oh, ding, now, ding. yeah, okay, yep, yep, I'm on board. Finally, we get yeah. to the prostitutes. Good. Finally, yes. the prostitutes. And, uh, and you've got a bar. And upstairs, you go up the stairs, and there's all the little rooms where you take the ladies of the night. That's that's what this place was. That's what it was originally. Wow. And now it's been turned 
Now it's been turned into a hostel and not really kind of a hostel, a Airbnb thing, really. So you stay in this tiny room and the room's names, I realized that like I was in room six or whatever, but it also had the name Pearl. And at the time I was like, oh, yeah, it's, it's means the, it means the precious, semi-precious thing. No, no, no. They all had girls' names. <laughs> so it was uh. like Pearl and, and there was like Janice and there was all these kind of different names around. I was like, hmm, that's interesting. Um, and so you slept in Pearl. I slept in Pearl. That's right. And Ernest Hemingway used to drink there. And he was he was like he really enjoyed staying there back back in the day. So it was kind of a weird place to be just outside of Yellowstone and before you drive into Yellowstone. But you're only like a kilometer, a mile, in one 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 point six kilometers from the entrance, and that leads us to Yellowstone. So what were your experiences with Yellowstone, Dan? We got to Yellowstone after you left. That's right. Yes, yes. I was there for about a week before you got there. Yeah. So we went to a place called Crater Lake, and so oh, okay. basically, what happened was there was a giant mountain out in Oregon, but it wasn't a mountain; it was a volcano, and all this right. energy built up underneath it and just blew the top off, like knocking the top off an egg. <laughs> and so now there is this great big circular lake that is ten k across. Oh like my goodness! Ten kilometers across, uh, surrounded on all sides by enor- this enormous sort of craterish mountains and such. And in the middle of the lake, there is another island where the volcano remains. Yes, and it, it's it's actually a, a live live volcano, uh, not uh, not dormant. No, it is dormant. It's a dormant volcano. Right. But yeah, yes. it's created like it's not a little, extinct. Yeah, and it looks tiny in the middle, but it's still massive. And it is it is just it's so big. And it's a it's a single thing that's really really big, and it's just it breaks your brain. Your brain just can't deal with it. And when you look into the water, it is the bluest water because it's too cold for the stuff that makes water sort of muddy and gross and weird. So you're looking straight through the water, and it's absorbing everything except for the blue, and it's really deep. So deep and cold, very yeah. blue. So water. all the animals you mean, all like bacteria and fungus and and that sort of stuff, can't grow in there. Yeah, too cold, and they don't, yeah. they can't get in because it's it's right. quite a new. It's it's all just meltwater, so right. it's not okay. sort of draining in from a river system or getting that sort of stuff in it. It's just melted snow. Right. Okay. And they and wow. someone put some fish in there, and the fish are doing fine because they eat the insects. But other than that, they're just super blue. That's amazing. And then we moved on to Glacier National Park. Yep. And it was terrifying, just terrifying. The sheer <laughs> cliffs that they drive these buses along. And you're looking down and we, we, we saw a mountain goat. Like a mountain. Oh, we suddenly turned around and, and the frog princess looked, suddenly went, ah! and I'm like, what? I'm like, oh, God. And I, I started looking at this animal, but as I turned around, I saw it from the butt first. And so, <laughs> so I'm, I'm up in the woods, and I'm just go, I'm just gone. Barrel wolf, barrel wolf, barrel wolf. Oh, it's a goat, goat. Okay, cool. Everyone, <laughs> calm down. It's a goat. It's a mountain goat. <laughs> and there were marmots, and yep. uh, and just very, very pretty stuff. But it just, I just, I, I freak out at those heights. Those heights are just terrifying okay. to me. I realise I've jumped ahead in my. I've totally jumped ahead because I, I missed all the stuff like Bryce Canyon and the Grand Canyon. I just casually forgot the largest canyon system on planet Earth. Yeah. yeah. What do you think? Because we both went and visited them, but in opposite yes. order. I thought Bryce Canyon first. So all Bryce right. Canyon started. Bryce Canyon is not a canyon. Start off with a rubbish name. It's a stupid name. It should be called Hoodoo Hollow, not Bryce Canyon. So Bryce is just the the white person I think who discovered it, or the governor of the state that it was discovered. In. I can't remember which. So you know the usual stuff. Hoodoo um, Hollow sounds like a Doctor Seuss book. 
It does, it does. That's why people would love it. Although, so, no, but the Hoot... Bryce Canyon looks like a Dr. Seuss book. <laughs> That's exactly right. So these, so those who don't know Bryce Canyon, type it into the internet. But you have these rocky spires that are, they're just spires. And they, they look like mud. They look like when you, when you go yeah. to the beach and you make dribble castles. Like you grab, yeah, you yeah, grab the do. sand in the water and you dribble it down and the, and the water goes away and the sand leaves like sort of this sort of dribbly spire. Yeah. Imagine a, a, like 10,000 of them all next to each other. And some of them five, six stories tall. Like they're huge. And they're just amazing, these rocks. And I looked into how they were made. So to begin with, the water sort of drains down and carves down like a little river or a little rivulet, and that leaves what they call a a fin. So a fin of rock sticking out, and then the the freezing and thawing every night, like like, 10 times a week kind of thing, or even even faster, the the water gets into the rocks and expands, and then it cracks it and bits fall off. And if there's a bit of acidity in the water, which it normally is, it starts to make little windows in the sides of the rocks, so you get an arch over the top, and then finally the arch collapses, and you've got the hoodoo standing all by itself. And these things are super strange and super, super weird. I've never seen anything quite like them. So Bryce Canyon was amazing. Highly recommend anyone going to, there to see it. And what's really good about them, it's only here for now. Like, they won't last very long, a couple hundred thousand years, and they'll be gone. Because the more water goes in, the more they get eroded away. And they erode quite quickly. So they erode centimeters every year. So they won't last. And finally, and too is, much water. That is really the, the train of thought for a lot of the landscape in America. It feels like it's a fluid and that you've you've come in and everyone's just frozen that fluid for a moment for you to have a look. Yep. But it's it's yep. in the middle of flowing. And it's yep. such a change from an Australian landscape because everything <laughs> has stopped flowing. Like yeah, everything exactly. has slumped yeah. down hundreds of millions of years ago in Australia. It is a very old place tectonically. But you go to something like America and you're like, oh, this is this is as dynamic as a forest or a river. Like this it's is still it's still happening. That's yeah. right. Australia is like three and a half billion where I, where I live, Western Australia, there are literal rocks on the ground which are three and a half billion years old. So it's one of the oldest surviving places on earth from from its creation that are still around from from the early points of the earth anyway where america is still being uplifted and crushed and compressed and volcanoes are still going off underneath it Mm. all sorts of crazy things and they say things like these rocks began their being created like this two million years ago you're like are you out of your mind that's nothing that's That's, yeah that's right with the grand canyon i'll get on something really weird about that too so i've worked in outback australia from the east coast to the west coast now and and though I know people are going to, Australians are going to get very angry for saying this, there's not a lot of difference between outback Queensland and outback Western Australia. So you can cross, and, and I know there's people now throwing things in my general direction, but it's really true. I mean, there are subtle differences, and, and but really they're kind of similar. The outback is the outback. And so you can go 2,000 kilometers, maybe even 3,000 kilometers, and see very similar landscapes. For, for 3,000 or 2,000 kilometers, kind of similar. And mm. we're in America. You cannot do that. It, there is no 2,000 kilometer, 800 miles, say 1,000 miles area that would be the same. It, I mean, except maybe the grasslands in the center. But yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I'm no, just... that's, that's flat and green as fuck. Like there is. Yes. I've been on a bus for like 10 hours through that, and it doesn't yep. change. Doesn't change. There you go. So I'll, I'll take that. Uh, I was it's... warned off driving through Kansas by a Kansanite. <laughs> So I think it's really amazing. So you go to the Grand Canyon. I turned up at the Grand Canyon, and Grand Canyon is amazing. I mean, the Colorado River, I saw it. I hiked down the Angel Head Pass, not the whole way, because that would have taken like nine hours to get to the bottom, I think. Uh, so, But I hiked down halfway down the wall. You can do it like... faster going down, but it takes a lot longer to get back up, well, especially if you do with it broken too fast, legs. 
if you, if you do it too fast going down, you will never get back up. But yeah, I, I head down and it was, it was fun. I enjoy, I enjoy a good hike. I'm a bit of a mountain goat that way. So I sort of hiked all the way down, hiked all the way back. And I really liked the Grand Canyon. It was much drier than I thought it was going to be. So I, in my mind, I thought it was even more green. I don't know why. But yeah, it was sort of a big, deserty, rocky canyon. I, I liked it. It was really boring. It was the <laughs> most disappointing part of my entire trip, I think, was the Grand Canyon. Because I turned up and I'd already seen amazing things. Amazing landscape. Yes. I turned up and I'm like, oh, well, it's it's definitely bigger than everything else I've seen. Definitely but bigger, it just, yeah. it just looked a bit sort of slumped and dull. I quite like looking <laughs> at the turkey vultures, but uh, yeah, actually, yeah, Grand Canyon, I was like, don't care. Plus, so many dickheads hanging off the edge getting selfies and stuff. Oh, and yes. I yes, just, I, yeah. you know what I'm like, I'm a fretter. And so I was just like, I just, I can't be close enough to hear someone screaming as they fall off to the bottom <laughs> to their death. And this happens. And supposedly this happens people, a number a of times a year. Yeah, 10 people a year on average go down and die or or hike down and die from dehydration, but they die on the Grand Canyon. So it's just the blood sacrifice America needs to keep running. That's yeah. just but the most dangerous thing to do is, uh, seems to be to take a plane or a helicopter through because more people die from plane and helicopter crashes than from falling off the edge. I wonder if that's just because when the plane goes down, it takes 10, 20, 30 people with it. And when you die by yourself, it's only you. Or maybe I you bet there's, there, uh, there's definitely more going on there, I think. But the yeah. amount of people doing stupid things on the edge of that giant hole, yeah. I'm amazed that it's not like 10 people a day. And, and the difference between Australia and America, in Australia, I feel there'd be a lot, they'd just put massive fences everywhere. You wouldn't be able to do it. No one seemed to care in, in the Grand Canyon. There was, no, there was no ranger that I could see that was like, oi, dickheads, stop being dickheads. I saw no one policing anything. And more to the point, the paths I walked along had nothing to stop me. All I had to do was walk three meters to my death you know there was there wasn't even a low fence in some parts some places there were yeah. and some places some places there was a fence at tripping height yeah, I actually had that feeling. I, I walked out. I did. We, we must be bigger than when they first built. There was like an outlook, a, a rocky crop, and then they built a little viewing thing so you can stand and look. And I sort of went to the edge of it and looked, and then I realized that the edge of the, the top of the balustrade was lower than my hips. So that meant that if I went too far forward, I would overtopple and fall a very long way to my death. And I went, that's really bad design. And I'm not that tall. I'm an average height human being. And I think you, you, you should probably raise your railings to higher than average hip height of an average human being, and you'll stop deaths from people just leaning too far out. But it's not people die. leaning. It's people who are getting the, that perfect Instagram shot. Yes, but anyway... Look, more power to them. It means if they go down, then it means there's more resources for me. That's always nice. I know what you mean. I wasn't so anti-Grand Canyon, but it wasn't the highlight of my trip at all. I think also I was there two o'clock in the afternoon and the, and the sun was beating down. So you don't get a lot of shadows. You don't get a lot of cool lighting effects. Yeah. I think it's, I've been told you get there at dusk or dawn, which I couldn't do. Same with everything. Yeah, yeah, that's most things. That's right. And anyway, that was so... very good advice that you gave us to get into Yellowstone before dawn. <laughs> yes. Because yes. It, that is the most beautiful time of day. It is incredible. Yeah, and the first full day I was there in Yellowstone, so jumping into Yellowstone now, I slept in a bit and, and kind of got up at 8 in the morning and headed out. Just didn't get the concept of how big Yellowstone is. Like, you, you drive around and it takes three hours to go in, with, no, with no traffic three hours to get to the other side of the park. So it's a big distance. That is a big um, park. It's a big, big area. It's like a sixteenth <laughs> the size of Wyoming. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's crazy big. But everyone stops to see the cows, the, the bison. So the cows. Uh, and every, 
if, well, that, and that's what ended. I was just calling them floppy cows. And I did the same thing. You know, I didn't block traffic. I always pulled off the side of the road and had a look at them. But so many people just stop on the two-lane road and just stop to take photos. And, and they're not stopping because a bison's on the road and they can't get through. That does happen, and you have to accept that. But literally, they would just stop their car, and the family would climb out, and they'd all take photos. And you're like, we can't drive anymore. This is the only road. And I got very annoyed at that. In the Interesting, end. because we realized that we were, we were always excited to be held up in traffic because we're like, oh, we're held up in traffic? Something interesting is here. It was always a bloody but, bison. It but, was always a bison. Once yeah. it was a bear. Once. You saw a bear. I saw a bear. I saw a black bear. Yeah. Black bear. Only a black bear. Not, not a grizzly bear, but I saw a black bear. Only once was, was it a bear, and once it was a beaver. And I remember because we drive. So you couldn't see it was a beaver for god's sake it was off in the distance and the traffic because everyone did that same you just said everyone was just stopping so when i was creeping up i finally said what what are you looking at went, it's a long beaver and i went is that a type of beaver and the, and the guy went no no it's just a long beaver and i went i don't care this <laughs> <laughs> is that moment of really stop blocking the bloody road it's the only road there's no other road we can't get through and it, yeah so I, but I found everyone it, is there place. to see the bison like you Everyone's, think, oh, bloody, bloody cows, bloody fluffy cows, I tell you. Just, that's all they are, man. You see them <laughs> once, you see, like, first time I was like, bison! And the second time I was like, bison! And the third time I was like, oh, bison! And the fourth time I was like, bloody bison! And the fifth time I was like, I'm going to kill and eat them. I understand why the settlers did it, the white settlers did it. They were sick of them at the, at the point. Oh, they taste good. I had some bison at uh, oh, the did pub. You? Yeah. Yeah, they cool. had a bison burger, and it was, it's, it's a tasty meat. It's good. One place I ate at, they were like, do you want a bison burger? Went, no, I'm good, thanks. And they said, oh, how about elk then? I was like, no, no, I'm good. And they, they were kind of like trying to work out what exciting meat to attract me into their establishment. I was like, oh, you kind of, you picked the wrong guy for that one. <laughs> that's right. Uh, but Yellowstone's amazing. Yellowstone is, we talked about it before, it's just you drive for 10 minutes and there's a stop off and there's something to see that you've never seen before. And as you said, it's totally different to what you saw. So there's suddenly bison or there's trout lake where you have trout spawning if you're at the right time or just see trout or the geysers or the, I went to a, a walking track for bears or mud pits and mud volcanoes and all sorts of crazy things. And after a while, you think you've seen all of all of the hot springs and you think you've seen all of the, every, every, version of a geyser and then you get out yep. and it's completely different again yeah that's right different colors or different and it's just and it it's, was just it's all just heat and water it's it's the same basic yes. ingredients but mixed into a 300 different dishes yeah i that's found right. that really and really startling and the, the fact that it's kind of like whether it's muddy or whether it's thick mud or thin mud or whether it's water or whether it's steam that's coming out, all these different things lead to and uh, different sort of levels of geology that lead to a different effect. Yes. Well, there's, uh, the, there's the three main ones. You've got your, your fumaroles, you've got your hot springs, and you've got your geysers. And a fumarole is easy. It's just a, basically a chimney through the earth. And at the bottom, it's really, really hot water that as soon as it comes out of the ground, it flashes into steam, comes straight up the chimney, and steam comes out. Yep. So, And you, you have places like Roaring Mountain where there's just dozens of these fumaroles and the place looks like Satan's backyard. It's <laughs> so cool. It's uh, a, they're amazing. Then yeah. you, get your, uh, you get your hot springs. And in this case, you've got lots of water coming out, but by the time it gets to the surface, the water seeps in, and by the time it gets to the surface, it is no longer boiling. And so yep. you get these pools that are like 60 degrees in temperature or 70 degrees or 30 degrees. 
Celsius. I don't, actually, I don't know what they are in Celsius because they kept telling us in Fahrenheit. In Fahrenheit, oh, it drives Useless you nuts. Useless temperatures. So finally, by the time uh, the, the three and a half weeks I was in the US, I was finally able to start converting in my head like quickly because you know roughly, but but you know yeah because it's you know nine fifths minus thirty two or whatever it is. So I didn't even I, know how to set the air conditioning in the car. <laughs> I didn't understand. My first day, actually, in, in Yellowstone, the second day when I got up really early because I get all the people, bloody bison, I'll get there and I'll go see wolves. I never saw them, but I was there before dawn in an area that wolves supposedly hang out. Mm-hmm. And so I was, I was there for an hour before dawn. I was looking looking at the temperature gauge on the car as I drove there, like half an hour from where I was staying, and, my, and it went 40. And I was like, oh, 40, that sounds pleasant. 40 Fahrenheit. And, <laughs> and 40 Fahrenheit is... Just a little bit above zero. <laughs> so I get out of the car in my sh- – roughly what I'm wearing now, a T-shirt and some trousers, and go, oh, my God, it's cold. Oh, my God, it's super cold. And I, and I went – I didn't bring anything else with me. I didn't bring a thing with me. So I was just like, oh, oh I I'm, guess I'm looking at wolves in the cold. Well, luckily, so, uh, we bought a whole bunch of warm clothes in San Francisco. <laughs> But it's just, once again, it's that change in the morning, it's super cold and it gets super lovely because it was spring. So uh, it was fine. I found Yellowstone, if anyone hasn't been there, go there. It is mind-breaking how amazing it is. And if you yeah. like to fish, you can fish there. If you like to hunt, you can hunt there. Like, you're allowed to get permits to hunt. I mean, they, they, they cull the bison, which is a contentious issue, but they do. I hiked... 25 kilometers there and back looking for grizzly bears. I didn't see one. I saw more bison. (sighs) Um, (laughs) I managed to walk along. I was walking along by myself with bear spray because I didn't have a gun. I had bear spray, which the um, range rider lodge gave me to use. You wanted to go hiking by yourself. Here's some bear spray. Please don't die. That'd be great. So that, uh, you know, and it's basically basically, mace. Yeah, serious mace. It's a a cloud of mace. That the, and the, the bear will be like, ah, balls to this, this is too much work, and go, and go away. Exactly right. And, but the, from whatever, what I've actually read is it's almost useless. Unless the bear is sitting there quietly, which why you wouldn't mace it. If it's coming towards you, you don't have time to – it's not like the bear goes, I'm coming for you, 100 meters away and comes over slowly. It's running. And they come out of the woods. And, and so many people are like, you don't even get your time to have your hand onto the mace before it eats you. So anyway, it's, I think it's just making you feel better. And I managed to catch up with two guys, two guys from Idaho, and they happily let me hang out with them. And they were both open carry. They In Idaho, you can open carry. So they had 45 pistols on their hips. And we had a really good conversation about the difference between America and Australia and, and gun use and gun control. And they were both openly conservative. They both they had no problem with that. And so I had a really good conversation with them, which I've never actually, and not a, not a rancorous one, but just a, a conversation about gun control. And, and they knew about Port Arthur and how Australia had all its guns taken off it. And we had a, and I thought it was really good. I, I really liked the fact that we were there for a different reason, but we had a serious conversation, but not each other's throats. It was really good, actually. I, I can't explain why this is so good to me, but it wasn't. <laughs> we disagreed with each other, but we weren't trying to punch each other. Though I did have a funny moment. My brain yep. – we were walking at one point, and we, this conversation had ended, and we'd walked off the main track down to so – they, they were going fishing. They were fi- uh, fishing for rainbow trout, I do believe. So I just went with them to the spot they were going to look at, and then they went on their way afterwards. One of them was in front of me and one was behind me. And they were nice guys. Like, they were were fine. But still, I heard a noise behind me, a click noise. And my brain actually went, oh, you idiot. You're you're now in the middle of – you're 20 kilometers from civilization (laughs) with two men you don't know, really, you've been walking with for a couple of hours – who have guns, who can kill you at any moment. I mean, I know they can kill you with their hands or with a knife or whatever, and there's a click behind you. And I was like, 
am I going to get shot in the back? Like, I, I honestly had that thought process. I know that's dumb, but I'm and that's, American that's movies telling you what guns are for. Like, we haven't grown up with guns in our lives, so we don't. That's right. We don't think of them as just tools that people use for. They're gun stopping bears. Tools. They, had, they had them there for bears. They said, "Look, if a bear comes, they're going to shoot the bear because that's yeah, their life." And I was, like, I understand that, but it's it, and that's right. So I'm not having a go. I'm not. This is this is my neuroses. Not, yeah. not. I'm not making a comment about gun ownership or control. I'm really not. You can discuss that with me privately over a drink if you want to. I'm not bringing it to the podcast now. I, shots over shots. A drinking <laughs> evening with. Gregoire. But I, but I really, and I had to look. I had to I'm surreptitiously. I didn't spin round or anything. I just kind of casually looked. I did and spin round just, with my hands in the air and go, please, God, no. Don't kill me. But, but I had that moment of, is that a gun? Is that a gun? Was that a gun? That was a gun. Because my brain was like, that click sounded like a gun. And it wasn't. It was him standing on the stick or whatever it was. I don't know. But, yeah, it's funny. It's just different cultures. We have different cultures. So, yeah, I really enjoyed hanging out with them for the short period of time I got to hang out with them so it's very cool and i picked up a hitchhiker that's another cool thing i did oh cool I, I, people and every time i say that to people everyone's like you're a madman i've done that i've picked up hitchhikers before but i was I, we were driving from mammoth falls which is amazing another you know another hot spring area that's been built up over a period oh my of time. god it looks like a wax candle it does yeah but it's, it's building like a, up it's that's, not that's, that's a k across it's, and it's, but it's not burning down; it's building up over time. Like it's it's coming out of the landscape because all the materials, all the carbon, cal, um, calcium carbonate, yeah, I think it's calcium carbonate, is being distributed from the limestone back on the surface. So it's just pretty cool. So he was walking along, and I just saw this man, a young man, and I was like, "Oh, am I going to stop?" And then I went, "Oh, he's got a dog with him. A man with a dog can't be bad." And so I pulled up, and he wasn't. He was amazing. So we had a, we, like, we drove for about an hour towards Old Faithful. That's where he was going. And we had a really good conversation about drug use in America. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, pick up pick up more hitchhikers, everyone. That's what I'm saying. That's what Smart Enough to Know Better is saying. Pick up more hitchhikers. What could go wrong? I have only had good experiences picking up hitchhikers, except for the fact that often they are smelly hippies, and they're a bit smelly. Yeah, yeah, but not right. as smelly as Yellowstone. no. No, no, but yeah. Yellowstone's got amazing smells. We were talking about the hot springs. Um, the hot springs yes. are actually home to thermophiles, which are bacteria uh, yes. that live in particular temperature of water. And when it's hot. a bit cooler, the bacteria is reddish orange. And if, when it's a bit warmer, the bacteria is like bright yellow. So you see these pools and they're like, they're rimmed with a yellow and then a red mat of bacteria yes it's also different different bacteria can survive different temperatures so ones that are closer to the surface where it's cooler they may be they may be yellow and then the ones that are further in there they can deal with hotter temperatures and they're green or whatever and so you get these layers of color just from the bacteria going we can survive here we can survive here so they build up in yeah. different colors and then it gets amazing. too hot and it's just all white but yeah. the water is tinted blue because of the effect of sulfur on it. So when yes. there's sulfur yeah, yeah, yeah. in there, the water goes blue like a toilet duck. Yes. It's, and, it's, and you see right in. What sort of amazed me was you look in and you're looking down and you can sort of see the twisty, turvy cavern that's going down into the ground that the water's bubbling out of. But it's not bubbling. It's just kind of slowly. Some of them, some of them bubble, but some of them just slowly They bubble and up. they seep up and that's the, 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 yeah, the heat and the water coming up and sort of bleeding yeah. through. Because it's just a spring, but it's heated. It's heated, yeah. And it's super heated. 80, 80 degrees Celsius, some of them, where I was looking into that. Yeah. So very few of them boil, even though they're bubbling. It's actually gas coming out of them, yeah. not temperature. Many of them around the other were 80 degrees Celsius, which and they, is pretty they, amazing. They can be quite acidic too. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So more acidic than lemon juice. Oh, very much so. But they, they... Well, lemon juice is, is what, is it four on the, well, no, 
What's what's the yeah, what's the yeah. worst? Seven is inert, no aura. Seven is one one is bad. One is like sulfuric acid. Okay, kind of so yeah, yeah, so lemon juice is like three on that scale. Three, yeah, I okay. Think. Yeah. And this stuff These was like, like two. Two, yes. That's, that's, it's about two on the pH scale. One of the signs I read said, look, just so you know, don't." it always says, don't go off the path, you know, which I never would. But yeah. Have you never seen you American the... Werewolf in London? Don't go off the path. <laughs> there are so literally wolves the... in the park. Come on. And, and, and then, you know, not werewolves, though, hopefully. That's even worse. The, I mean, the, the scary thing is that you think it's solid ground, but it's not. It's just a little bit of calcium carbonate, and you, your foot goes through. And not only are you now standing in 80-degree temperature water, you're standing in 80-degree temperature water that has a pH of two. And it can literally eat your boots. And more to the point, you've got acidic water now on your skin, which, mm. of course, you can't get your boot off in time because you're trying to yank it all away and you burn your hands and it's all very bad. Yeah, People well, get scalded to death. A couple I mean, of years ago, scalded. a guy fell in to one of these things. He was he was trying to test how how warm it was because he wanted to have a bath in it. and so he, he But he slipped and fell into it. And died in the pool. And I was yeah. like, oh, so, you know, wh- how did they get the body out? And they went, oh, no, we there was no body to get out. <laughs> we left it in there yep. for a day or two and it was gone. It's The problem so, solves itself. Yeah, problem solves yeah. itself. Hey, um, while you were driving around Yellowstone, did you see a bit where there was, like, red tape and traffic cones for, like, half, like 500 metres? And it, and it had, like, don't stop here, don't stop at the overlook, it's all closed, just drive oh, straight no. through? No, I didn't see that. No, okay. I don't remember that. No. Okay, it was around the volcano, the mud volcano area, and um, oh, okay. and it, it had been there a week. So I, I think may, maybe you went, drove through it, but didn't spot it on the way to Mammoth. Probably yes, yeah. But I was like, oh, I wonder what that's all about because it doesn't seem like the roads broke, broken or anything. Found out from a ranger what's happened is a bison has died <laughs> meters from the road, but you can't see it. Oh no! Which doesn't sound too dangerous, except that now that all the predators are coming. So if you're yes. out of your car going, I wonder if I can see a bear, and a bear's like, yes, you can, hello. <laughs> so what happens is if they die off the side of the road, they just leave them there and they close the road, like the, the edge of the road, and you yeah. just drive through and not stop. But if they die on the road, they actually get a forklift in and they pick it up and they take all the dead bodies to like a secret body dumping place that they don't tell the public <laughs> around, which is just littered with predators. Right. Yeah. All, all the scavenging tires going, hooray, yeah. the smorgasbord is here. I just remembered, Dan, I started to jump around here. I just remembered right oh, back look, at the see, start. That's what by... this podcast is. Now, notice, notice, listeners. There's no stings. It's just all no, no, us no, rambling. No, it's just us chatting. But I think it's important. I, I went to the La Brea Tar Pit. I forgot about mentioning the La Brea par- Tar Pit in LA. And why I want to mention the Tar Pits, A, La Brea means the tar. So it's the Tar Tar Pits. You know, it's one of those dumb names like Gobi Desert, which is the Desert Desert, which is a bit stupid. Or ATM um, machines. ATM machines, or and my mother once said automatic ATM machine. I'm like, oh, that's the best thing in the world. But yes, when you think of La Brea tar pits, when I think of them, I think of the famous statue of the baby elephant dying in the in the tar mammoths? pit. And, uh, are they mammoths or the elephants? Probably mammoths. And, and it's a statue anyway. Mm. And it's it's, it's like, like and going, one ah, like, it's a living. Yeah, yeah, and there's one like stuck in it, and another one going, oh no, trying to grab it. That's my idea. And I thought that was the tar pit. No, that's a, a lake that was created when they were mining these things back in the day. And that's actually like a tailing lake. That's what it is. Now it's got tar. It's not even tar, it's actually asphalt. But it's when all the gases come out of the oil, you get asphalt left. It's not yeah. tar. That's just a statue of something in water. That's not how the tar pits worked at all. Things didn't fall in and then disappear like in quicksand, yep. which is what I thought had happened. So the tar pits, when you actually go to the actual tar pits the tar pits are aren't very big they're 10 by two or three meters and they're four inches thick 
And that's it. And it looks like it's a muddy, it looks like a muddy hole. Not even, not even a big muddy hole. And there's leaves on it and there's nothing there. And you're like, this is rubbish. This is, this is, this is rubbish. It's, it's the worst. That's, you need, you need the big elephants over there and, and the sinking into the water thing. Yeah. This is rubbish. And then you realize how it works and you go, oh my goodness, this is terrifying. So <laughs> you're a large animal. How dare you? <laughs> well, even, even it would, it would happen to us. If we didn't have friends. So if I, let's say I stumbled in. If we didn't have friends. And I don't have friends. So let's say I stumbled in and you get stuck in four inches of tar or asphalt. It's not hot. It's warmish. And you are now stuck because you you put your hand in to try and push your hand, get your leg out. Your hand is now stuck. It's you're stuck in a couple of inches of material and you're stuck there going. And then the more you put it in, the more you can't get out. And you're just there and you don't die. You don't sink, but you're there forever. You're not getting out unless someone pulls you out of the tar, out of the asphalt. Imagine if you're a mammoth, you're a massive, fluffy elephant and you walk into this tar by mistake. And then your foot gets stuck and you're like, oh, my foot's stuck. It's just one foot. And then you put your other foot down to try and get out. And now you've got both feet stuck. Your back end is fine. You can't get out though. And the more you fight, the more you're going to get stuck in this tar. And that's it. You're dead. You're finished. No one's going to get you out at that point unless someone pulls you out or another, another mammoth pulls you out. So you get weaker and weaker and weaker because you can't drink water. There's no water. There's no food. And you get weaker and you're crying. I can help, help. I'm in trouble. And all the other predators go, oh, that elephant. Is in, or mammoth is in trouble. Excellent. And they come over to have a go at you. So a saber-toothed cat, which existed back then in America, they come to kill the mammoth or they come to scavenge the dead mammoth. And they jump on the body and then they, they have a bit of a feed and they jump off into the tar. Because they don't know it's there. It's covered in – it's not like a boiling black mass. It's just mud with leaves and sticks on it. It's like a giant flytrap. It's a flytrap. And so now you've got a saber-toothed cat going, I'm stuck. And it can't move either. So it gets sick and it dies. And then wolves come and go, oh, there's so much meat here. And they walk into the tar. And you can see where this is going. So one megafauna going down brings all these predators in that they they get caught. Some of them eat. Some of them get their food and get out. Some of them don't. And you just get a pile of bodies building up around this one tar pit. And over time, they're either scavenged by birds or they rot away and, and their bones go into the tar. And more tar is put on, more asphalt is put on top of them. I didn't realize that the actual truth of it, the 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 thin layer of, of sticky stuff is very small, and that makes it more insidious than a big lake of bubbling horror that you could see from a mile away. Yeah. It's, it, was, it was really eye-opening to see what was down there. And then also, you know, in fact, there were saber-toothed cats and dire wolves and all sorts of crazy things in America at that time. Highly recommend the, the tar pits. They're, they're incredible. And you can see people, they, they dig out the tar, they dig out all the tar, and they just put them in blocks and then the university students or the PhD students, here hey, if it worked for free or very low money, dig through all the tar over long periods of time to see what was in them. So they find animal after animal wow. after animal in there. And it's right in the center of LA. Like in this, it's not it's not off to the distance. It's surrounded by suburbs. It's quite weird. It's um yeah. Sorry, sorry to jump back there, but that I highly is recommend super the odd that it's just in the middle of that major city. Yeah, it's it's right there, and you wouldn't even know until like I I took a Uber there, and he dropped me off, and I was like, is this the right place? He was like, yeah yeah yeah, this is it. You're, you're here. I was like, okay. I walk around the corner. There was a sign, but it just looks like a public park because it technically is, because the farmer who owned the land realized it was important, and he bequeathed that land to the government, saying, this is important. Don't You, you can have it for free, but you can't build anything on it. It's, it's for the tar pits only. And so people went, okay, cool, thanks. So you have now these tar pits that should have been buried over and dug up and destroyed by the building of L.A., I guess. Yeah, yeah it's very cool. Highly, highly recommend going there. 
Pretty neat. Pretty neat. Hey, so you went to uh, Old Faithful? <laughs> yes. One of the big, the big parts of the park. One thing that it was fine. Fascinating. I, I liked it. It was fun. I, I had an idea in my head about what it was going to be like. Like, and like, yep. like a lot of these things, like the Grand Canyon, like Las Vegas, like Monument Valley, I had this, this vision in my head that I'd created of what it was like. And comparing that to the actual thing was really quite fascinating. The Old Faithful was the one that was bang on the money. Great yes. big set of seats oh, around. Okay. It, it was like it's in the middle of an amphitheater of seats surrounded yeah, by shops. Like, I- I thought it was weird. I got there and, and it was like every every 80 minutes plus or five minutes it goes off. It's all faithful. But I found it quite underwhelming. I watched it. It was fine. It was nice. But I went, oh, is that it? Is that it? That's, is that it? That's okay. That's it. Fair enough. I was so full of wonders at that point. It was the least of all the wonders I'd seen at that point. <laughs> so after a week. But I saw, did you go see the one that's nearby? Like you walk to it 500 meters away to the, to the castle geyser. No, was that we missed that one. So that's what I thought Old Faithful was going to be. Much bigger, huge, and went on and on and on. So it's on the, it's in the same area, but it's, it's you can see Castle from Old Faithful. It's, right. it's, you walk through it, and but it doesn't go all the time. That's like it's not it's not faithful. It goes when it wants to. When I asked when I was there, it was steaming up and it was blasting steam everywhere, and then it shot water so high, like this crazy water geyser. It had been there for ten thousand years, and it built up a castle of calcium carbonate. What's I keep saying calcium carbonate? I'm feeling that's wrong. But it's, I think it might be calcium carbonate from the limestone, mm. um, and it builds up. It's built up this castle-like object that it's blasting out of. Now, supposedly, Old Faithful is only a couple of hundred years old, so it's only new comparatively, and so therefore it hasn't really built up its base yet. But one day, if it survives, it will be like castle. But according to the rangers, castle goes off twice a day whenever it damn well feels like. Yeah, and it goes on. It goes for forty minutes. Steam, steam, steam. Water, water, water. Steam, steam, steam. Nothing takes about 30 to 40 minutes and you just have to be lucky when you're there that's all which so is I, what I guess you I, was, I was lucky yeah yeah um and then other ones i didn't see i saw people like people were sitting around waiting like waiting for the, this other cool one to go off and he read a sign and it says this could go off between 1 p.m and 6 p.m today could and could like, yeah I'm, I'm not hanging around for this I'm no when you've only got a couple of days there it's uh you're like yeah. well i've seen old faithful now to see, maybe I'll get lucky with some others. And we did get lucky with some others around the park. I did laugh because once again, you have bears, bears, you know, dangerous predators. So there was like a, the only toilet that was out there. And I was like, I need to go to the toilet. Probably need to, yeah, I probably should go to the toilet. So, cause I've been wandering around the whole area. There's like an outback toilet kind of thing. And I walked towards it, but there was a sign across the road, the, the walking track going, by the way, bear has been seen around the toilet area. Don't go to the toilet. And I was like, good plan. Good plan. Oh, <laughs> so I've, just like, I've peed myself anyway. Now I don't need to right. go. Watch out for the murder machine. Thank you. Thank you for that little little rope and a little sign. <laughs> like, so, yeah, I, they're obviously very cool about bears. I'm like, there's, there's massive bears everywhere. It, it is very weird being in an environment where you're like, there are predators. There are big mammals that will eat you and they can walk anywhere. In Australia, you just stay out of the water and you're basically fine. Yeah, that's right. And don't put your hands in logs and that sort of stuff or under in dark places because yeah. spiders and snakes. I saw a rattlesnake for the first time. It was oh, hilarious. wow. I, I saw a rattlesnake. I, I, I felt very Australian. I, I, I was pretty excited how Australian I'd become, you know, whatever, snakes, man, walking along in Zion National Park. And there was uh, up ahead of me on this mountain track that I was hiking along, there was 10 or 15 people just kind of weirdly on the track. And I was, realized something was going on and I walked up behind them and I just re- tapped the lady on the shoulder and it just very casually went cute or dangerous. And she went, pardon me? And I went, cute. Is it cute or is it dangerous? Well, it's a rattlesnake. And I went, oh, it's, so it's, it's kind of cute then. And she laughed. And yeah, there was just, 
a rattlesnake because you know I'm Australian and who cares, man? <laughs> so <laughs> rattlesnakes, <laughs> hilarious. But people were hanging around taking photos of this damn snake, and I looked at it and went, "That's an angry snake. That's it's all coiled up and ready to go." And all these people are trying to get close to it, take photos. So I kind of casually took a photo of it, like meters and meters and meters away. <laughs> but yeah, but because you're like, don't go near the the, the murder tube. I guess I'm going to say murder a lot recently today. But yeah, don't go near the danger noodle because they're super dangerous. Um, oh, I had a big, they're kind I had of a, dangerous. I had a big argument with this, this old American guy when he heard my accent at one point in Zion. He was like, oh, you're Australian. Oh, you know, snakes. You have snakes and spiders. Yeah, we, ch- we chat about dangerous stuff in Australia. And then he went, but of course, you know, but we have the most dangerous. And I was like, you, you really don't. And he was like, no, I think you'll find America has like the most dangerous snakes in the world. And I went, no, nah. you're you're totally wrong. Out of the te- top ten snakes, Australia has nine of them. So no, I'm, I, and he was like, "Well, I think you're fine." I went, mm, I, "Let's just agree to disagree." But you're wrong. <laughs> Your rattlesnake means nothing. It's not even on the top. It's not. It's 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 a joke. Your rattlesnake's yeah. a joke. Your rattlesnake's a joke. And and it warns you. It goes, "I will kill you." Where our snakes just kill you, yeah, and then write a letter you. to your family saying you you deserved it. And then and that's nothing compared to the snakes in the ocean. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, and which most of them are found around Australia. So we're, oh. we're, def- we're girt by snakes. Yeah. <laughs> girt by snakes. Anyway, rambling on. Sorry about that. Yeah, so you, you were in Yellowstone. Yes, and I learned a little bit about geysers. It's weird to visualise how they work. And so I've, I've finally got my head around it. Uh, your fumarole, great big pipe underground, and steam comes out because it's really hot. Hot spring, great big pipe underground, but it cools down before it gets to the top, and it's, it's, it's warm water. But your geyser has a great big reservoir underground. So what you do is you have really hot water coming into the bottom of the geyser and you have cool water coming into the top of that geyser reservoir. And Mm -hmm. the really hot water at the bottom, it's superheated. Like if it was just boiling water, then it probably wouldn't do this. But it's under pressure. The cold water on top of it keeps it from boiling in the same way that when you go up a mountain, you can boil water at 60 degrees. When you put water underneath a lot of other water, it won't boil until 200 degrees. Yeah. So you end up with a big chunk of water underground where the bottom part is 200 degrees and the top part is like 50 degrees. And it's heating, it's heating, it's heating, it's heating, it's heating. And then the top part hits 100 degrees. But everything underneath it is getting progressively warmer as it goes. So once the top part hits 100 degrees, it bursts into steam. That pressure goes whoosh straight up the tunnel, like up a narrow tube, and spits out steam and water. But everything underneath that is flashing into steam as well. And so as soon right. as that pressure goes, there's, there's room for that water to turn into steam, not because it's getting hotter, but because the pressure is dropping that's so very the, cool. The pressure drops and it just burns up all that water and turns into steam, spits it all out in the same go, and then you have a big empty reservoir again and it starts again. Yeah. But the plumbing under there can be really complex and really different every single time. With Old Faithful, they reckon it's got kind of a U-bend thing. So right. it doesn't matter how much water's coming in uh, or what all the ver- various tectonics and stuff are at any one point, it's trickling in heat at a at a standard rate each time. Right. And that's why it's 
more faithful. And also I read somewhere that it doesn't, it's probably not connected directly to any others. So it's really got its own little hot area and its own reservoir of water where a lot of them share them. So when one goes off somewhere in that area near the Gold Faithful, another one will stop working entirely because it just lost all its pressure due to the uh, the bigger one over there. Or or the mud the mud uh, pit may actually stop bubbling while this geyser goes off because yeah. they're connected in the plumbing somewhere. Yes, uh, we, saw, very, very we spotted one of them where, where one would splutter away and you knew that that was the warning that the one in front of you was about to really go off. Oh, wow. So that was quite exciting to see. Now, the mud volcanoes, we're like the, that area called mud volcanoes, and it's big mud pits bubbling like crazy, mud pits everywhere. I was shocked by that because it, there was a sign that sort of said, this is only new. This is only 20, 30 years old. And you're like, okay, that's new. It's on the side of the road. Like You've got a yep. road. They built a road a long time ago, and suddenly it's just mud. You're like, okay, and you pull over and have a look, and you go, oh, they must have built the road next to the mud. No, they didn't. They built the road and then a mud volcano opened up next to the road uh, and then what shocked me they they realized what was happening they went all the trees started to die in this area so there's no mud volcano it was just a hill and yeah. there's trees and they went hey these trees aren't looking very good that's a bit weird is it, is it a fungus what's going on the trees got sicker and sicker and sicker and then they all started to die in this big area and then they took temperatures like a, put a meter probe into the ground and took a temperature and realized the ground temperature a meter under their under their feet was 90 degrees celsius so the roots of these trees were, were being baked, cooked. cooked. Those trees were cooked to death from the ground. The trees all died. They're all just lying there still. And then a dirty great mud volcano <laughs> opened up. <laughs> the, the hell itself came to the side of this hill. So basically there was this hot, there's a hot chamber moving towards the edge and then it opened and then it, it, it burst open and went everywhere and it's just getting bigger and bigger and there's another one like there's a there's a mud further up that same hill there's a, like another mud pit that's getting longer and longer because it started in one spot and then every year it moves like half a meter further north and after 30 years it's you know it's 15 meters from where it was so it's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger and you're like this is happening here this is like it's saying if you come back in 10 years this won't look like it looks now it'll be totally changed people might be wondering how we can feel safe walking around it they they have all of these uh these wooden walking trails yes that are these platforms that support themselves so, like, a, a hole could open up under under one of them and it's still attached to the rest of the walking trail. And if they need to, the rangers can all come in, like a dozen rangers can come in, and they can undo a couple of bolts and just shift the entire walkway across a couple of metres. I didn't metres. know that. That's very cool. And like, just drag it across to, to where it's safer again and then bolt it together again. Unless you're again. in Mammoth Falls where the, um, the walkways um, uh, are being eaten. Are being, and also being enveloped, it's like being like being eaten by an amoeba. It's like blop over like, like geological scales, fast geological scales. Yeah. But those legs are now in the ground because yep. it's grabbed it and it's like built. And one day it will get over. Well, if you let it, it would go over the top and just cover it because you see trees near Mammoth Falls that have these trees that that used to be safe, but now it's getting bigger and bigger. And now it's killed the tree and surrounded the base of the tree and building up the side of the tree. So it's it's rock encasing a tree. And you sit there and go, how fast is yeah, this happening? Rocks are not supposed to move this quickly. That, that, yeah, and then yeah, and you go, that's so weird. That tree is dead. It's been dead for decades, but it's not rotted because nothing can nothing can live in the heat. Mm. So you just got this rock slowly taking this tree over, and you're like, oh my goodness, it's just it's just insane. Like when you realize how geologically active that area is. And then, of course, we haven't even got to the 
Yellowstone caldera yet, like the the super volcano that's under your feet at all times. Well, that's I mean we have got to it because that's what's heating everything. This is true. This and is true. It's, and, but, and it's but what I was surprised at is it's moving, or more importantly, it's not moving. The rest of North America is sliding across the top of it and yes. heating up different parts of it. So yeah, as yeah. as it goes, it's going to get hotter and hotter to the underneath the. East the of, north, northeast, yeah, northeast, northeast of Yellowstone, and yeah, and it's and it's going to keep changing. And the last time it went off six hundred thousand years ago, it's like two point one million, one point three million, six hundred thousand years. Think about those numbers for a second. Two point one minus one point three is eight hundred thousand, and then you've got one point three minus six hundred thousand, so that's seven hundred thousand years. We're kind of looking at maybe it could potentially do its thing. Just pointed out, we're yeah. in the ballpark of. This we certainly are, but we are able to measure certain aspects of it and know that it hasn't started, and it's going to take ten thousand years for it to to do its, it's thing. Pulses. It, it pulses, though. They have these um, dome hills, and these dome hills are pulsing now. That's what these the geologists went. Those hills, they go up a couple of meters and they go down a couple of meters. Not like breathing, but technically, it's like the land breathing over time. And they say over like a year, it could rise three meters or so and then drop back down, which is amazing. But that caldera was tens of kilometers across. Like I stood on the lip of it and took a photo and the mountains in the distance, 50 kilometers away, 35 miles, yeah, 50 kilometers away was the other edge of the caldera. And that's when you realize how big this, this thing was. It's when you say super volcano, it's, they really mean it. Like it's, if it went off, it would blanket all of North America and Canada, all of America and Canada and most of Mexico in six feet of ash. It's just insane. You know, you can tell I've been to America. I keep dropping between feet and meters. I can't quite help it at the moment. Yeah, I've been Um, doing it too. You've got it's it's wormed into my head. Yeah. After driving around for a month at 65 miles an hour, they let let you drive at 80 miles an hour in Montana. 80 miles an hour. That's. That's faster than I've ever driven in my life. Is that like 110, 120? It's like 140. 140, there you go. <laughs> I think. That might be a walk of shame. That'd be a walk of shame. So we'll never know. There's no way of finding out quickly. So, you know, if you if geologically active and live, uh, like going for hikes and just seeing different things or fishing, or whatever, like Yellowstone, it's just amazing. And science, so much science, crazy amounts of science. Science, you couldn't, you can't throw a rock without hitting science in the head. Yeah. It's mostly geology. So 80 miles per hour is 128.7 kilometres per second. Per, per, per second? Per second, kilometers yeah. Per second. Yeah, the car kept catching on fire <laughs> just from the air friction. Yeah, um, yeah it's, it's pretty dangerous. Yeah, 128.7 kilometres per hour. Yeesh. I went to Vasquez Rocks, and Vasquez Rocks is, is near LA, and it's very famous where Captain Kirk fought the Gorn, those big spiky rocks, very famous in Star Trek. And I where and uh, Bill and Ted's robot doubles killed yes. Bill and Ted. That's yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, so it's, it, they are quite famous for lots of different things. And I went up there and found American Indian calendars in the rock. Like, you kind of go, oh, Star Trek can be damned. Like, this long-term civilization yeah. lived here. And, and, and I carved into the rock calendars and, and fire pits, and that's pretty incredible. Well, um, everywhere I went out there, I was like, oh, my God, it looks like an alien landscape. And I realized it's not that those landscapes look like alien landscapes. It's that those landscapes were within driving distance from Hollywood, and Hollywood yes. made them into alien yeah. landscapes. 
Well, I read somewhere that it's with, it had to be within a certain range. Otherwise, you had to pay people extra money, like travel money. And they didn't have the money. They didn't want to pay people. So they just went, if you're on so many kilometers from the, a certain point of LA, you only get the daily rate, not the travel rate. <laughs> so there's a definite cutoff, which is pretty cool. Oh, uh, one thing I forgot to mention about Old Faithful. Uh, it oh, yes. is no longer as faithful as it used to be because in the 1970s oh, right. there was an earthquake and it changed the plumbing. It used to be huh, like bang okay. on 91 minutes or something and now yep. it sort of drifts between one hour and three hours. One hour? I thought it was, oh, okay. I thought and they said it was 80, minutes, pre- 80 pre- minutes plus or five. It's predictable depending on what yeah. time of year and stuff and what the what – the, um, but it, it can drift quite substantially now. Uh, there oh, is yeah. actually a geyser in New Zealand – which you can set your watch to. Like every single morning at 10.15, it goes off. Nice. Yeah. That's, uh, that's very cool. Very cool. Almost unbelievably cool. What? There's some, There's got to be something else at work there because that's just the weirdest coincidence in the universe. Oh, I see. Right. I, oh, okay. Right. I was... Yeah. So I was like, I wonder if it's an environmental thing. I go, well, yeah. an environmental thing. Kind of. What they do is the people at the park squirt dishwashing detergent into it. At that same time every day. And what happens is it builds up all of that pressure and stuff. But then with when the detergent hits it, it changes the, the water tension and it sets it off every day. And this is called that's soaping. Not, it's now illegal in cool the US. That's not cool yeah, I don't like it, that. It's illegal in the US and it is now illegal in Iceland. But yeah. in New Zealand, they can still do it and they do. Uh, that's not, no, I don't like that at all. I don't, no, I'm not. <laughs> Not a fan of that. No, I don't. I don't like that. I don't mind if it goes off when it goes off, but no, because you. I just saw that people used to throw. They threw had big signs saying, "This is not a wishing well. Stop throwing coins in there because you're blocking the you're blocking the fumaroles. You're blocking everything up. You're, you're screwing it all up. And you're uh, changing you're the chemistry up. and cooling yeah, yeah. and you're cooling things down. And that kills and that killed an yeah. entire form of bacteria. And yeah. now the prismatic springs are missing a band. Yeah, yeah, it's just so annoying. Just we're all very obsessed with Yellowstone, which is I'm really lucky actually that I got to go there because I wasn't planning to go there originally. It was only because I decided to go to Casper, Wyoming to see the eclipse. The travel agent said, "Oh, by the way, Yellowstone's only three or four hours drive away," and I was like, "Okay, I'll go there. That's fine. I was going to go somewhere else, but I'll go there instead." And it was I'm so glad because it was for me for me it was the highlight of the wildlife nature part of my trip it was mm. just just mind-blowing yeah, yeah this so. and this was the frog princesses thing that she was really looking forward to and we just had an incredible time like it was mm. just so fascinating so yeah. very interesting uh after that we yeah. went down to grand teton national park oh yes yes so it's a glacier very big <laughs> mountain range with a glacier on top which is, yes. just looks like a dirty patch of ice, but apparently yep. they're really important. <laughs> that, that dirty patch of ice, that's, that really made me sad because there's a photo. I took a photo of it, and where I was standing to take that photo, there's a photo of what it used to look like. And you're like, yeah, that's smaller. That's not just slightly smaller. That's totally smaller. Since the 1940s, that's almost gone. Like It's like 10% of what it used to be or 20% of what it used to be. Something oh, it's like that. 75% of what it used to be. Oh, it's a drop by 20%. Okay, it's sorry. dropped by yeah, 25%. Yeah. Uh, right. Well, that's what the, that's what the fake news wants you to think. That's uh, yes, well. and the you know the photographs, the, yeah, the photographic yeah, evidence, well. and uh, yeah, it's a bit it's a bit scary. But uh, bit... Grand Teton, like I thought it would be a little bit more dull than Yellowstone, but mm-hmm. those mountains are pretty cool, and there's quite a lot of cool wildlife there. We we went looking for moose. We never saw a moose. <laughs> But right. there was a bunch of people there, and they're like, oh, what, what is it? And they said, oh, we saw a bear and her two cubs before, and we're still watching. 
A bear comes out of the woods across the river, swims around, and everyone's like, oh, it's amazing. The bear comes across the river and sits at the bottom of the hill we're all looking at. The bear wanders back and forth like 15 metres from the crowds. <laughs> and, and, and there's some volunteer rangers going, everyone stand back, please. Please stand back. And they say, yeah. stay like 75 metres away from bears and wolves. And yep. we were like, uh, it's like 15 metres away. Like, it's closer than a bison should be. Yeah, that's uh, right. We need yeah. to get in the car. So it was yeah, it was an amazing experience to see a wild bear wandering around dangerously close. <laughs> but we heard that you could see moose there if you get there really early in the morning. So we turned up the next morning at like pre-dawn, freezing our tits off, saw a mink across the street, across the road. Oh, cool. Which was cool. And we're, we're waiting. We're listening to the elk baying to, to each other. So you, you can't see them, but you hear this sort of, it's like a it's like a dainty Chewbacca. <laughs> and so we're standing there just waiting, cold, waiting, cold, and suddenly we hear this sound, and it is the most unearthly sound I never thought I would hear in person. A pack of wolves, like oh, wow. 150 metres away, somewhere in the in the wolves, are all howling. Like there must be at least half a dozen of them. And they kept howling and it was it was unearthly. It was yeah. just staggering. There's probably a lot of genetics going off in your brain going, run, run away. Yeah. Don't you hear? It's like, we used to be prey, lots of prey here. Yeah, I was surprised that I didn't get that when the bear was wandering past. Okay. I think there's something about being in a group of 100 people where you're like, I just have to run faster than this slowest person. <laughs> and America does have a massive obesity problem, so that's always good. They do. They do. Uh, so, yeah, Grand Teton was pretty cool for, for, for just those experiences. That's awesome. That does sound amazing. Now, no, I, I kind of – I drove through Grand Teton very quickly because I was moving – that was when I was heading to New York. So I went down to – drove down to Salt Lake City and then, and then to New York. So I didn't really stop in Grand Teton much at all. You could, you could see it at speed. Like, it's very big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, that's right. No, and I saw the Grand Teton. I saw, I saw the Grand Teton itself or, the, or the, 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 the mountain. Yeah, you can't miss it. It's, it's a crazy-looking side of a – obviously, it's something being geologically up-pushed many, many, many millions of years ago. Yeah, but you, uh, went yeah. To, you then went to Salt Lake City to fly out. Yes. That's in Utah. If you'd asked me before my trip, what, what, what's in Utah, I would go Salt Flats, Mormons. Yep. Yes, yeah. Utah, the state of Utah, is the most beautiful place I have ever seen in my life. Every point in it is incredibly beautiful. These amazing sandstone sculptures and mm. these cliffs and stuff that looks like, a, like all these mountains that look like alien ships are supposed to land on top of them. <laughs> yes, Monument Valley, yeah. that's the very, yes, yeah, exactly right, yeah. The, act, the actual mountain from Close Encounters, uh, which is oh, yes. Devil's tower i believe yep yeah uh, this that, means something yep. yeah that's actually up in wyoming that's on the other side of the state from yellowstone we never got there because it's in the middle of nowhere apparently and i would have loved to but <laughs> but yeah utah was just staggering all the national parks antelope canyon and you would have seen photos from inside antelope canyon they're the they're the caves that are kind of pink and orange with sunbeams coming through them yeah antelope canyon is is amazing i did go there it's just stupidly beautiful when you step into it, it looks like you go, oh, well, this is just like a gap in the ground. Like it looks like a gutter. That's what I kept thinking, a, a gutter in the desert. And when you go into it, you realize it's 10 meters down and it's not a gutter at all. It's uh, Well, it is it's a gutter. Canyon. Well, it's, it's well, yeah, it's a box canyon. It's, it's a, something, it's so. 
it's a clever little gutter is... because these flash floods come through and they just suck through this rock cave and carve mm. out these incredible swirling shapes. And they look yeah. like waves because they've been created by waves. Yes. And they pointed out to me that you can sort of go, that area up there, that's all been eroded by wind and you can get the you get more of a harsh kind of look to it. And then further down here, this has all been eroded by water and that's got more of a flowing sort of as in wave-like shape to it. And you can see it very clearly, the difference of the two types of erosion. Also, one's over long periods of time and one's very, very quick indeed. You know, they, they get an Antelope Canyon. I think they get it's connected to another box canyon further upstream. And when that one floods, they've got 20 minutes to get everyone out because they know that in 20 minutes' time, water will come blasting through. So they've got like an early warning system. <laughs> so which is pretty cool because you don't have to worry at all. You just have to go, well, as long as they ring and say, it's coming, then you're like, yep, get out, get out. Because it may be sunshiny where you are and just raining somewhere else. It yeah. doesn't have to be raining where you are, which is the danger part. Well, you got to go to Monument Valley. Mm-hmm. So you you looked at that place, didn't you? Yes, I camped there overnight. I slept under the stars uh, next to one of the buttes. That would left, be amazing. The left mitten butte and woke up to take photos of it. I had, That was before the eclipse. So I had the uh, butte. I had the sun rising behind the butte, and I had the moon and Venus all in the line. It was actually very cool. Was a nice <laughs> picture of that. So uh, yeah, we was, got there all... on dusk one evening, just before oh, sunset, yes, yes. and so and that was just incredible to watch those hills all light up as the as the night sky came out. And I, I, I we sort of pulled off to the side and just sat amongst them quietly and enjoyed the sunset. And just as I was just really, really connecting with it, and because this is the thing I was really looking forward to, as I was really connecting with it, just going, "Oh my god, this, this is this is my American experience." I look mm. over, a coyote walks out of the out of the um, oh. out of the shrubs, ten meters from me, starts wandering across the road, gently looks over at me, and then disappears into the shrubs again. Oh, it was your spirit animal. Spirit animal. <laughs> oh, it was it was just magic. It was absolutely magic. And and you think, oh, there's there's not going to be anything like those monuments again. Like they, 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 those rocky outcrops are just this special thing. Then you go to Archers yep. National Park, and it's oh. just the entire place is that. <laughs> Archers is incredible. It is. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's sandstone, and what 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 happens in in Archers is there is a lot of salt under it. And under pressure, salt becomes sort of fluid or works okay. as a fluid. And so over time, what happens is it, it bunches up sort of like an old carpet and you get that, that sort of waves made of the carpet. You're visualising that? Okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Okay, yeah. what this does is it pushes the rock above it up and cracks the rock. That makes that rock weak. So it erodes fastest and then every second part where there wasn't a wave of salt is now a a, a sort of a ridge of rock. Oh, so you get what it's, okay. it's, it's yes. not, sort of like a waffle, not like not, uh, right. not a waffle, yeah, like yeah. a like a George Foreman grill. It's like right. a grill okay. Okay. of rock. Right. And, oh, so yeah, with yeah. the ridges on it. Yeah, okay. And so that, yes. there are imperfections in this rock. When it rains, water comes in and then it freezes overnight and then it thaws and freezes and thaws and the cracks get bigger and bigger and bigger and start popping off big chunks of stone in this rock wave. Because the top level of the rock is quite strong rock and underneath it's a weaker rock, that falls apart fastest and that's how you get these arches, these big stone arches. Oh, okay, right. But once the stone arch is in place, you've got this heavy rock on top and this weaker rock underneath, but that weak rock, instead of being on a big wall of rock, it's on sort of two turrets of rock or two struts of rock. Okay, yeah. So that's under more pressure and the sandstone under more pressure becomes stronger. 
because right. it's under more pressure. And so it stays there longer. And so you get these these great big strong arches. And That's very it, cool. It's incredible. And you, see, you get these things that look like a rock balancing on other rock, but it's it's yep. just been carved away and... I just, yeah. it's just staggering to look at. That's an entire so day you, of just. So have you, so you must now know, know, can you please describe to our audience the difference between a Mesa and a Butte? Oh, did you, did you, did you get that one? I, I that drummed into me by someone oh, I was standing in the chat. I don't think I got that one. Is one, is one carved away and one's thrust upwards? No, no, no. It's, it's nothing to do with the carving. It's just to do with their size. A Mesa is longer than it is wide. And uh, a a butte is is not wide. It's, it's basically the same the same width that it is long. So butte is one of the ones that kind of goes up and is almost like a circular. It's kind of like um, ah, right. Devil's Tower. Yep. And a mace is like a big flat tabletop. So that was also a mace is like the big one, and a butte's the small one. If you want to think of it that way. So I was like, now I know. Now I've learned. Like damn, we could talk about this all day, and we probably will. But I think the audience would probably like us to maybe let them get back to their lives at some point. No, no, they love to listen to us. Let's get this is back to the this is back to the old days of like an hour and a half long podcast. Just, just, just chatting about the one thing and not going anywhere else. But this, this is just a bit of a different, different take on it because we sort of said a lot, a lot of stuff. And if you have any questions for us, let us know. We'd love to know your questions, dear listener, about what we did, what we did on our holiday, which is very important. Uh, we, we only. It's, <laughs> We only really scratched the surface. But I, I did hear you say before that you went to Vegas and didn't, did nothing sciencey in Vegas. Yes, that's right. So what did you just the prostitutes? Prostitutes, always, always the prostitutes. Always prostitutes. No, um, well, it's not, I mean, I went on a big wheel. I don't know. I didn't like I went Vegas. On a big I was, wheel. I wasn't that excited by Vegas because I don't, I don't like gambling. I'm not a gambler at heart. I don't enjoy it at all. Actually, it doesn't. It interests me. I don't like drinking that much. So if you take out drinking and gambling. Kind of Las Vegas is a bit of a bust. Someone I mean, asked the... me, was everyone dressed up in tuxedos like James Bond? I'm like, no. no. People were wearing flip-flops and carrying around a a, a, a 20-inch a long... margarita glass. Yes. Yeah, because basically if you bought this margarita, if you go into any any other casino, they'll refill it for you again. And you're like – and everyone's got their kids there. And I just found it a bit tacky and a bit crap. Oh, super um, tacky. Super tacky. And the only reason it's there is because it's a spring. There used to be water there, and there's water there, and they're, they're sucking that aquifer goddamn dry. Because huh. you don't build a thing in the desert. It was, it was a Mormon fort. So Mormons went out there and went, oh, everyone hates us. And they, so they built a fort on the spring, and then that didn't work. That went really badly for them, and they all started to die and explode and bad stuff. So they left. And then a farmer moved in and in the fort built his farm in the fort. And that was the start of Las Vegas as we know it. But, you know, as, a, as Queenslanders, Dan, you'll know that that sucking all the water out of an aquifer is a really bad idea. Yep. It leads to the de- um, desalination and no, not desalination, salination. Yes. Yeah. Adding of salt, bad news. So I don't know. Look, if you like Las Vegas, that's fine. I'm all for it. Whatever. I, I, I didn't like it that yeah. much. They should wipe it off the face of the globe, but how to do that. They've already tried. Cause I went to the Las Vegas atomic testing museum. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> And I got to see nuclear warheads, like oh, the, really? the, 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 the chassis of a, of a nuclear, like they didn't fill it up with like the dangerous stuff, but they had the, the test one oh, uh, my from goodness. the test. They showed all the, the mining equipment from like mining into the soil. And you've heard of Area 51 yes, in yeah. New Mexico. That's, well, yeah. it had never clicked as to what all the other areas were. But most of the areas are in Nevada and each area okay. is testing a different nuclear thing. 
So they're oh, blowing what? up nuclear bombs out there, or, or, or in one place they're they're, they're working on <laughs> a, uh, atomic power for rocket ships, or they oh, right. or they oh, yeah, or blowing stuff ships, up, doing yeah. underground testing and stuff. One thing I didn't realize is they were doing atomic tests when Nevada was still a gambling place. When it was like yeah. it is now, they would just blow up these nuclear weapons, but. Not like out in the desert. Like you could sit in Las Vegas and watch these huge mushroom clouds appear over the mountains, <laughs> and and all the people, all the all the gam, all the casino owners were like, "You're going to stop people from coming here." It became a major tourist attraction because people wanted to come and see the nuclear weapons go off. <laughs> oh my goodness! So that yeah, explains- the the atomic testing museum. That was a very sciencey thing to do in Las Vegas. I did not. I didn't even know it existed. I, 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 I'm sorry, I missed out on that one. That's pretty cool. Oh my goodness! And they had a they had a chunk of the Berlin Wall. If you like your history, and I they got a ha- chunk of the Berlin Wall. Whatever, man. All, all cool people got a chunk of the Berlin Wall. And they in fact, a- if you took all the Berlin Wall, there'd be more Berlin Wall than there was Berlin Wall. You have been listening to Dan at smartenough.org. Also, the other voice is Greg at smartenough.org. Thank you very much for listening to us ramble on about our lovely holiday. We'll, we'll talk to you about it. Just buy us a drink. And we'll talk about it for hours and hours and hours. <laughs> That'd be great. Um, we make a lot of fun of America and Americans on this show. That and is Canadians. It, it's an important. It's an important comedy rule to punch up and not down. So uh, <laughs> when the uh, when the one of the most powerful countries on earth is like constantly measuring stuff using like kernels of corn or, uh, or, 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 or or like they're turning their political system into a game show then it's 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 easy for us to make the, the, yeah. the easy jokes it's, it's low-hanging fruit yeah low-hanging fruit but uh but over the five weeks that i was there i met like a hundred people and talked to like heaps and heaps of people americans would like just really nice and welcoming and kind the bulk of my interactions were really joyous and so i want to thank you guys america because it was you guys are like you're really fun you you seem like a good country thank you so much for having me and for putting up with greg as well (laughs) i would urge people if they like landscapes travel to america it if you're in america Go to Utah. It is incredible. Yeah, I, I stand by that. Utah, Arizona, and Wyoming, those three states in that area around Monument Valley, there's just amazing things to see. Yeah. Oh, and Colorado. And Colorado, of course, as well. Mm. Amazing things to see. It's gorgeous. I want to do a special shout-out to David Galliel, friend of our oh. podcast. Caught oh, up with David yes. in Portland. He's from Elbow Fish Games. You'd remember we talked to him about his Antimatter Matters board game. Yes, certainly did. Check out his website. He's got brand new stuff on the boil. It involves pirates and monkeys. We may mention it again later. Um, <laughs> quick hello to Eric in Utah, who we neither of us got to catch up with in person because America, just Utah is too big. It's too yeah. big. <laughs> and also to Jess and Jeremy, who I think listen to the podcast, but I'm not sure. But thanks for putting me up and showing me around. And if you want to go on a quick tour, a tour that's not like a everything done for you tour, but you can basically take you somewhere and give you some information, I highly recommend Bindle Stiff Tours. They were small tours of you know ten people for a couple of days, and I they did really well. I really liked them. It's not full comfort, and you sleep under the stars, so it's kind of like halfway between doing it yourself and sitting on a coach. 
which I really liked. It, was, it took some pressure off my mind of what I was going to do. And they showed me things I would probably have never found by myself. So that's kind of cool. Follow us on Twitter, SE2KB. Rate, review yep. us on iTunes if you like, but oh, I don't care that's anymore. Right. I don't care. But also, but the, but the, I know you but love the, me. Um, I will promote podcasts, so I want to promote one. Um, I, who here likes Rick and Morty? Me. I, I like, like Rick, Rick and, Morty. and Morty. That's fantastic. There is a podcast by the people who do the Wisecrack videos on YouTube, and it's called The Squanch. And it's a Rick and Morty podcast. And I've started listening to that. They've been doing it since season three. And I like it because I don't always agree with the three three guys who do it. Uh, they seem to have different ideas than I do about Rick and Morty. But they make me think about the philosophy of Rick and Morty much more than I normally would. Uh, and so, and sometimes I'm arguing with them in my head. Well, you missed that bit and you're wrong about that. But I realized it gave me a better understanding. It's not just, you know, it's not just fart jokes or, or clever sci-fi. There's some pretty cool psychology and philosophy involved as well. So have a look at the squanch. All and right, tell them I'll... smart enough to send you there. All right, I'm going to look those guys up because love, I'd love to hear that. Yeah. And as we always like to say... Fluffy cows! Get off the road, you fluffy cow bastards! Stupid fluffy! Cheep, beep, beep! Get off the... Oh, stop, fluffy cows. I went to the doctor's. He said, your eyes are red. And I said, my eyes are always red. And he went, yeah, they shouldn't be. And, <laughs> and anyway, that's not a thing. I've had a big high from yoga when I started. Oh, okay. Like my very first one to some place. And I did like an hour of the hardest yoga you've ever done. And it was, it was so <laughs> painful. But I came out and for the next hour, I was just like, everything's amazing. Oh, wow. Okay. I was just so filled with energy. But we actually got a, um, a free yoga class when we were in San Francisco. And the, I told this, the, uh, the woman this, and she said, oh, yeah, a lot of people get that on their very first yoga where they're just, yep. and you'll, it'll never be that good again. And I, said, <laughs> I said, so it's like ecstasy. She wasn't going to be drawn into that conversation. Like, yoga know, teacher's not real big on narcotics. I don't know what you mean, officer. Yeah. We went up to 11,000 feet. We went up above the tree line. Wow, okay. So that was an exciting wrong turn. <laughs> when the trees stop going, you know you're going too high. Thankfully, we weren't driving, so I met my mate Jeremy over there, and he took the wrong turn. He was very familiar with most of the roads, but just not that one. He's like, I've never driven this high before. <laughs> I don't know how, if we can ever get down. We can acknowledge that we we went on holidays, and we're going to talk about things that we saw. We'll just make sure that we know that we're we're not just saying. And I, I, I went to the beach, and it was great, which we wouldn't do anyway. But I went um, to the beach, and it was great. Right. It was good. so it was so amazing. It was covered in uh, elephant seals. Oh right! Like there were like there was like a hundred elephant seals all piled up on the beach, like a couple of meters away from us. Ugly bastards! So oh, smelly bastards! Oh right! Oh my god! <laughs> But Vasquez Rocks, I had to turn off the highway, went under the highway to the left. As soon as I turned left, I went straight into the left-hand side. <laughs> I just turned left. It was fine. There was no one there. And I, and I drove happily for a minute on the wrong side of the road <laughs> until I saw a truck coming down the other side, way off in the distance, and went, that idiot's on the wrong side of the road. <laughs> I just quickly went across. Music.